Welcome to The Threat Show, powered by Fletch. Knowing what the threat is, what its capabilities and TTPs are, will allow you to frame and focus your efforts on what the most effective measures are that you can use to defend your organization. Hi, I'm Darian Kinlan, VP of Technology here at Fletch. And with me, we have Chris Wilder, Director of Research at Tag Cyber. And also with us this week, we have our special guest, Aaron Didier. Aaron is a threat intelligence analyst for Red Canary. They're also a gardening enthusiast. Later in the show, we'll be talking to Aaron about threat intelligence and how to avoid common mistakes. But first, let's do the burn down for this week. We've had a number of weird, bizarre threats crop up during this time frame. Some of them were kind of bizarre, leveraging malware that was only talked about theoretically, even vulnerabilities that were previously kind of theoretical, but now they're actually being applied. And some ransomware that's actually changed tactics, along with new malware that's targeting uh, financial institutions related to, to Android. It's kind of a mix. I, I think we were expecting maybe a lull time period, Chris, but I'm not sure if we're going to get that benefit uh, anytime soon. What are your thoughts there? We've seen such a massive increase in the number of spear phishing and phishing campaigns happening right now from bad actors that are taking, well, we'll talk about these in a few minutes, but taking typically ransomware and rat tools and then that were originally applied for the governments, and then they're they're turning them into going after consumers. So it's seen a huge rise in that. And we, uh, I was I was with you with that thinking, well, there may be a little bit now, not a chance. Right. Right. Did you have any uh, any any bets on on whether or not it was going to be a lull, Aaron, from your perspective? Oh, we definitely did have some bets on it being a lull or not. You know, the rain did come a little bit for certain threats, right? Like we we saw Qbot kind of trail off once uh, the seventh of uh, January arrived, right? Things kind of tempered there, but in the threats that you see here and threats in general, no, we've the rain did not come in in terms of that, right? So it's it's still threaty threat world. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Well, let's go through the, the list. So first off, we actually have a uh, interesting finding reported by NetLab360, which is a Chinese-based threat intel group, where they've discovered malware that was actually traced back to a leak by the, I think, the CIA Hive attack kit that's now being applied and weaponized by other adversaries. So this is really kind of bizarre, but it's not the first time we've seen advanced tactics and techniques and advanced malware being repurposed for other uses. I think the uh, Eternal Blue exploit was kind of the one that comes to mind the most. But yeah, this is a next kind of phase in you know threat ev evolution, right? I think the, the common theme that we're seeing here is that tactics and malware that was previously reserved and built by nation states is now being repurposed and used elsewhere. That's a frightening com combination, but yeah, who knows what 2023 is going to hold in store. Yeah, this one's this one's particularly nasty just because of the fact that it is it, it was designed to to go after governments and NGOs and right. and uh you know, this is really a nation state tool that turned to what we talked about, you know, these are being repurposed and going after consumers. But the interesting thing about this one that, that a lot of people don't know about Hive is that 
it actually was originally used not so much as a as a, as an attack kit, but it was used to establish covert communication systems on servers throughout the world. So it's can be used for very, very nefarious things if you know how to use it and repurpose it the right way. It's it's kind of scary. Thankfully, it's it's very limited in terms of yeah. where they're they're seeing detections around this, but it's certainly a worrying trend, right? Mm-hmm. The constant battle between offense and defense is kind of at play here. And this is kind of the, the nexus or intersection of that. So moving on, the other vulnerability that we discovered or that was reported on uh, recently was actually JSON token pollution. Essentially, there's a vulnerability related to JWT tokens or JSON web tokens. And it can actually cause remote code execution in servers that process this stuff. JWTs were used to essentially authenticate system-to-system activity uh, Mm -hmm. across the modern web. At this point, what they've discovered recently is that essentially an adversary can send out a malformed JWT token, not only bypass authorizations, but in fact, you know, trigger remote code execution on the server that's supposed to be processing this authorization. So thankfully, the, 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 the vulnerability is discovered. Uh, there's now a fix available. But if you're building any sort of modern web services that use JWTs, you probably want to patch this ASAP. And just as a general best practice, always, always rotate your keys. You know, keep, keep them rotated, uh, you know, because if you don't want to get them poisoned, it's, this is a, you know, on the other side of that too, is this is really an interesting setup for various man in the middle attacks and uh, brute force attacks. So it's this, yeah, patch, rotate your keys, go to sleep. Yeah, it's not, not easy to do. We totally understand, but absolutely critical for something like this. Yeah. Yeah, so next on our list is uh, related to a ransomware group that's actually pretty well known, the CLOP ransomware group. The new finding here is that they're switching their targeting, right? They've gone after the industrial water hydroelectric sector in the past, and now they've switched to healthcare organizations. And in fact, USHHS just you know, announced, hey, look, there's a whole slew of organizations that have been compromised by this particular ransomware group in the healthcare sector, and it's likely it's not going to change anytime soon. This is very much par for the course. It's very consistent with everything that that we've been seeing in our enterprise clients. This is actually one that's popped up a few times on, with the enterprise side of our business. You know, again, it's it, these are all delivered by spear phishing campaigns. So don't click the link, dummy. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, I'll I'll just add to that. It is it's gosh darn scary seeing them targeting uh, healthcare organizations specifically now. But there was an article just the other day from a trend that talked about a goop kit making some of those same kind of changes, right? Where they're like, hey, by the way, we are very specifically targeting healthcare organizations now, and and you can see that, or at least kind of ascertain that from the the specific uh, keywords that they're using to see what endpoints are on. That's very hair-raising. I mean, we've seen things in the past where ransomware organizations have said, oh, you are a healthcare provider, are bad. Let's let's just give you the keys to it, right? Things like that. That goodwill is not being seen here. That's really gosh darn scary. So yeah, I think um, these organizations, right, they should start focusing on... Uh, maybe some more security measures. And and like Chris had said, 
don't click those links because that's where a lot of this stuff's coming in from. Maybe maybe those mail gateways are something that you need to focus on. Yeah, but you made a really, really great point, though, is, is that these bad actor groups are actually starting to go very, very industry specific, especially critical infrastructure. And things like I can go back and forth about the whole FAA thing and what's going on in aviation, <laughs> transportation. But I, I had a beer with the uh, deputy director of the FAA last week, actually, at a wedding. And we're making we're he was making these comments we're like, yeah, we're just we're just waiting to get hit. We're waiting to get hit, waiting to get hit. And then I'm I'm looking at looking at the news yesterday and it's just I'm scratching my head saying, man, this is a this is this feels weird, and so I think I think the 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 very targetedness and what they're doing vis-a-vis healthcare, financial services, and the critical infrastructure side of the world, and then also the cross-domain piece uh, when you're going after government, uh, you know, going after classified information. It's amazing how this is really they're getting more targeted now, and they used to just be you know throw it out there, see what hits, and you know have these botnets that are running around causing havoc. That they're getting really, really, really good, especially with the spear phishing campaigns and I, you know, putting the content where to get people to click the link. It'll it'll be interesting to see what happens after the pandemic, you know, subsides, right? It, what if and when it does subside, will targeting against healthcare suddenly go down because there's less yeah. reliance on IT and critical infrastructure? Who knows? But yeah, the 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 NOTAM outage that happened yesterday with FAA—that's definitely yeah. worrying. But from what we've seen, at least the reports were, it it was basically some sort of database corruption, and you had a master database, and it just propagated the corruption down all these other systems. Yeah. Still, it's pretty scary. I agree yeah, with that's you. That's what they said. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's the working theory, right? Okay, so moving on, the last one that we cover is uh, specifically a, a new type of malware targeting. It's an interesting intersection. It's targeting Android devices going after financial institutions called SpyNote or SpyMax, basically. If you have any employees or people that are using Android devices, this is probably one to to keep in mind for, or if you're a financial institution and you have a lot of Android customers, chances are they're going to be hit by this pretty, pretty quickly. This is one where you just want to make sure that, you know, if you're going to do any sort of online banking, you, you need to make sure that your device is fully patched and up to date. Don't have, don't have a lot more on this one. This is a, uh, you're absolutely right though. It is, this one is pretty ubiquitous. Yeah, right. Just say um, MDM is always a good thing to have, right? So if you've got uh, those devices that are running around and you're 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 authenticating to different things with it, and they can see what you're authenticating with that code, right? That 2FA is now no longer something that matters so much because the adversaries have that as well. So yeah, having having things like MDM on your devices would most definitely help assuage concerns like this right now. I don't know what these specific threat actors were doing, right? There might be ways that they, they've found to bypass MDM, but threats like this, that that's most definitely something that you can use to kind of curb this type of activity. Yeah, we, we were recommending to our enterprise clients, we spent a lot of time helping folks with ZTNA, Zero Trust Network Access, and really kind of taking that approach in how you architect and how you deploy it, it just makes sense. And it really, it, it does start at the device level. 
and you know consistently you don't trust it and you it's automatically an adversary and you have to prove that you're not an adversary which is the right way to go i think it's interesting that apple wrote this one i'm teasing they didn't but <laughs> but, but i do think i think you're absolutely right and the whole mdm side of it it's just really good you just having better hi- cyber hygiene is 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 the only way to go and you know, you use browser isolation or you can do things like that but it's mm-hmm. it's still not going to uh, it's not going to protect you completely, but I think a new architecture is something that most organizations and large enterprises need to consider, especially when they're dealing with third parties and partners and partner networks and, you know, connecting their systems, you know, the APIs. Yeah, I, I much agree with the the third party bit there, right? Like yeah. now that we've got everybody's keys in the mix, uh, yeah, yeah, I would I would be very concerned. <laughs> yeah. We could do a whole show on that, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. That's our burndown for this week's threats. If you want to dive deeper into this week's trending threats, be sure to check out the interactive Fletch newsletter and trending threats app to see all the stories we talked about and more. Now, on to our special guest interview. So for our next segment, let's have a direct conversation with Aaron. A little bit of background around Aaron. He's a threat intelligence analyst at Red Canary. Aaron is also an autodidact that has worked for various small and large organizations spanning from an ISP to a Fortune 500 and multinational firm. Aaron currently works at Red Canary as an intelligence analyst and spends their time off gardening and skiing and taking care of their two dogs. Wow, that's a lot. How's it going, Aaron? It's good. It's going. How about yourself, Darian? Thanks for the intro. Yeah, yeah, we're we're doing well. I mean, it's it's been crazy, and you know, you you think that twenty twenty three would be a quieter year, but it doesn't seem to be, uh, unfortunately. No, yeah, I, I know we've all been hoping for that that quiet, right? Whatever quiet you might have gotten before twenty twenty three, probably all the quiet that you're gonna get. Yeah, the the threats keep rolling in, and times are exciting as always. Yeah. So looking back over 2022, what what do you think were the most interesting threats that you've covered in the past year? For me right now, I'm in that threat detection report writing mode. So that's what we do every year. Red Canary releases our threat detection report. So I'm writing, I'm writing, I'm writing. QBot's my focus right now because that is number one for the rank and stack for threats that we had seen over the span of the last year, right? Wow. That's what we had seen in, in the majority of our customer environments now like I kind of alluded to, right? That activity is tempered since the new year. Things have slowed down a bit. We've got, you know, suspicions as to why, but again, like you don't know. So anyways, uh, things are, things have slowed down there, at least with that threat, but it just kind of brings into focus that that threat, if it plagued the majority of our customers, maybe that's a threat that you should probably be focusing in, right? And our customers, Great many of them are related and unrelated vertices, right? So it's it's really a mixed bag and kind of like what we we had mentioned earlier, right? The the initial access m- method for a lot of that is via email. Chris had touched on that, so you gotta clean up your emails that are coming in to try to keep threats like that tamped down and keep them out of your out of your site, right? That's one opportunity now. Threat actors can find new ways of creeping into your organization all day long, but that's just what we've been seeing right now. And that's that's where my focus has been lately. 
those things like that, like I like I said, they kick off questions in my head immediately. Like, all right, we see Qbot, that's a trend. That's what we're seeing. Well, what's up with that threat? How does it typically reach its victims? Oh, it's email, like I said. So right. focus on that that email, right? What's the initial access method? Oh, it's those phishing lures. But what what do those phishing lures, what's after those phishing lures, right? Oh, it's a mountable disk image of some sort. And and next after that is the execution step, right? And as I'm saying these words, they might be familiar because I'm thinking a very miter attack technique focused kind of way. I'm like, all right, there's our right before that. There's recon, everything that's cool. We we're not going to see that, but the initial access and the execution and the yada yada yada, yeah, that's where I'm looking at. And when I'm asking those questions to myself, like, what's the initial access method that Qbot uses? I start thinking about, ooh, ISOs, mountable, image, mountable disk images, right? I'm thinking ISO images. What else is mountable? Ooh, there's those IMG files. Right. Maybe I right. should worry about those. How about VHDs? That's another one. We saw Zloader was testing out VHDs uh, you know, a couple of years back. Didn't do it a whole bunch, but VHD is something that you should look for too. So I'm talking about looking for it right now, but maybe let's talk about interceding that activity, right? So from a defender perspective, as I'm asking all these questions about that number one threat, and I can do that for the number two, three, four, five, et cetera, et cetera. You can start to think about ways that you can defend against these threats. And as I'm thinking about mountable images, how many people within your organization are mounting ISOs, our mounting VHDs, our mining IMGs, not a lot in the organizations yeah. that I've worked in, unless they're engineers. And well, that's a whole nother story. Yeah, another follow X. I mean, you guys are you guys are one of the most iconic MDR guys out there. And where do you see kind of on the threat scale in terms of IoT and kind of some of these these far edge devices that are out there? Are you seeing any any threats that are coming in through those? Gosh, I wish that we had the perspective on IoT and things like that. You know, in that intro, Chris had mentioned I was a multinational law firm beforehand. That was yeah. my yearning to get more perspective, right? Uh -huh. I've always wanted more perspective. I was at that firm and I learned, well, it's cool that you get perspective and there are threats in different countries that you wouldn't normally see. Yeah. And you're getting to see that. But I wasn't getting, you know, the full perspective that I wanted, right? I didn't get like all, all the network stack, all the EDR, right? I didn't have everything that I wanted. So like even here at Red Canary, right? We don't have a product that sits on the IoT side of things. So I I, I miss that perspective. You know, I'd mentioned mail gateways and Qbot. Yeah. I wish I had that perspective. I unfortunately lack it because we, most of the telemetry that we deal with currently, right? That's how Red Canary started was as an MDR, uh, managed detection response for EDRs and things like that. So as the years have progressed, we have ingested new telemetry sources, which have allowed me to open my eyes again to, you know, prior things that I had done, right? Like Suricata and, and you know, stuff like that, like network source telemetry. So yeah, perspective. Oh gosh, I wish we had it all. Um, yeah. We don't. Well, yeah, and that's. I think that that's one of the biggest trends we're seeing in MDR is just really the the leanings heavily on IR incident response and then threat intelligence, and that that is just the crux of your industry. But yeah, I, I'm sorry, I'm just I could get on a soapbox about this, but I'm not going to. 
Yeah, so well, yeah. I, I did that a little bit myself. <laughs> no, no worries, man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's great conversation. I mean, along those lines, like if you're a small, medium-sized business, you know, what is the value, Aaron, in your perspective around, you know, having that intelligence about a given threat? You mentioned, you know, hey, starting out seeing activity around, you know, mounting virtual images, right? Mm -hmm. Clearly, that was used to evade something. And that kind of led you down the path of, okay, well, what other ways could you evade this? In your mind, is that like basically evading, what is it, mark of the web detection that usually... Yeah, mark mark of the web bypass, right? So, you know, that's got that ADS on there, that alternate data stream for the zone identifier that says, oh, Mm -hmm. this file came from zone one, two, three, four, right? And right. Based off the zone, it determines if it came from a source that was external or not. And yeah, adversaries most definitely want to bypass that. Yeah. So if you know, if you know that that's their motivation, right, you can start to look at, well, what other ways could you bypass this, right? And that kind of led you down the path of, hey, there's all these other image format types. Let's just try to come up with a generic way to detect when any user tries to mount an image of sorts, right? That could potentially be a red flag. Keen off of that, like, right, we can kind of take that and spin it a little bit, right? You asked, what's the advantage of having that intelligence and and how we can apply it, right? I think about, like I had mentioned Qbot, because again, that was the number one threat I got. I get really excited about the number one threat that we've seen, but there's other exciting threats out there that are in that same wheelhouse in kind of the delivery method a little bit, a little bit. One of those is Raspberry Robin, right? Mm-hmm. Raspberry Robin, that is a gosh darn interesting threat. When we had first seen it, 2021, September time, yeah, I don't know what the heck this is. <laughs> Nobody knew what it was. So everybody's like, hmm, weird, strange. Okay. And then we reported on it, 2022, early on there, Q1. And we're like, not really sure what it is. Looks really benign. We've got a lot more telemetry since that September and you know thing that we had seen and still not really sure what this is. It's really odd and it's pervasive. It's gotten a lot bigger. Don't know what that is. And then uh, July time came out, right? And I want to say it was July, Microsoft came out and they're like, hey, surprise, it's delivering sock goalish. And we're like, <laughs> it's delivering sock goalish. Uh, that's big. But here's the thing with Raspberry Robin, it's an auto run worm, right? Mm-hmm. And part of those mo- mountable ISO images is they, they can kick things off auto- right. automatically, right? right? So maybe that auto run is something that you want to like kind of focus on too, right? Those are two threats and they've got just a little bit of overlap where there's that, right. that auto run kind of functionality. So maybe that's something that you can function, or I mean, right? Target and look at, but that's just kind of like where my head goes. And it's like knowing what the threat is, what its capabilities and TTPs are, will allow you to frame and focus your efforts on what the most effective measures are that you can use to defend your organization. Yeah, it's it's tough because of that asymmetry, right? So if you can focus around, you know, what are mitigations that are more long-lived or long-lasting that cover a wider range of tactics than you'll have better chances of those defenses lasting for a much longer period of time. So in in your perspective, Aaron, like if you're hit by a threat as a small, medium-sized business and you don't have security experts on staff, what are some of the, the things that 
you, you think would help people like that get additional guidance? That's always a hard one, right? If you're hit with the threat, you don't have people that know a lot about that threat. It's, it's kind of like, ooh, do I run around like my hair's on fire? Or can we like sit down and just like casually think about this, right? And that's, that's hard because a lot of people, if they don't know what it is, that knee-jerk reaction sets you off in that I'm going to run around like my hair's on fire mode. You don't want to do that, right? We're going to spend a lot of time scrambling and trying to the whole idea is to not do that, right? Is to not scramble. So in my opinion, what you can do if you don't have intelligence about threat is first, like refer to your playbooks, right? You've got playbooks, I hope. If you don't have playbooks, this is your sign. Write right. some playbooks. It's good <laughs> to have playbooks. It's keep you from doing all those weird things like running around like your hair is on fire. You need playbooks. So that's, that's my first recommendation is have some playbooks, lean on those. If you don't have them, right, start building them, start exercising them, right? It's just like exercise, just like everything else in life. It's a repeatable motion. You don't necessarily need to be getting shot at by people to to take the things, the measures that you need to be doing, right? The dipping, the ducking, the diving, the dodging, whatever. If you can dodge a wrench, you can dodge a ball. Well, (laughs) if you can do it in practice, then you can probably do it in real life. So just keep practicing those playbooks and work on that first is, is my opinion there. So if you don't have the intelligence about the threat, focus on what your playbooks say. Next, knowing what threats are most pressing to your organization is something that just knowing that, that context and understanding what those threats look like, that's going to help you a whole heck of a lot. So maybe, maybe a TTP's change, right? But there's a single TTP that you knew all about and you latched onto that and you're like, oh, well, this looked like a different threat because, and I didn't think I knew what this was. So it turns out I know a little bit more about this than, than I thought. And abstracted from all that, you don't even need to know the threat name, right? You don't need right. to know what threat it is. Maybe you just need to know what those TTPs are and what the heck is going on. If there's an auto run, you know, registry key being made, or rather a run registry key, sorry, I got auto runs, uh, everything's getting mixed up yeah. there. Um, but if you got that run registry key, well, you know, that's probably persistence, right? And, right? and that might shape how you respond to things. Now, when I see persistence, I don't know that that necessarily ups or lowers the ante for anything necessarily. But if we're talking miter attack specific lateral movement, that's one that would maybe raise the bar for me and, and make me think, ooh, maybe my hair is on fire a little bit. Maybe it is time to get a little bit excited, right? That's kind of how I think about that in, in terms of like, if I do or don't know about this threat, let's abstract ourselves from knowing what the threat is and rather just focusing on those TTPs. So yeah, let's stop the bleeding, right? That's always the first measure. Once the bleeding's under control, we can yep. pause, strap back, assess the true gravity of the situation and do the things that we need to do to address that threat, right? I I think that's excellent, excellent advice. You definitely want to stop the bleeding before you need a tourniquet, which I think a lot of organizations tend to, you know, they they get to that point where, oh, crud, you know, this is, we're we're really in a bad spot. But I, I think your point about playbooks are so important. And the other, only thing I would add to that, especially from for a SOC team, is invest in training, invest in cyber range mm-hmm. training. I think that's so important because what that does is it not only 
helps your SOC team to work together and kind of be be more cohesive and go through scenarios as a group. But it also, there's a lot of different soft skills that go into that too. In terms of communication, disclosure, it helps you really kind of connect to, you know, your, your legal counsel and be able to become more effective as a SOC organization. It's so important. And I think the playbooks are, are a good, good thing. And I, I hate to be a bandwagon guy, but if you need a place to start to write playbooks, ChatGPT is perfect for that. <laughs> I hate to say, I, it, I knew when you were going to mention I, that. I know. <laughs> the, the FAA guy I was having a beer with, uh, I, he wrote a bunch of playbooks for a bunch of different airports. Then he got funny. He got funny. He was doing it all in Dr. Seuss style and, it, you know, whatever. But it gives you a good foundation and it, it gives you, it, it's not perfect, but it's something that, you know, gets you started and it gives you things to think about and consider that at least gets you over the hump. And you can actually, you know, I would use it to to formulate the questions that I want to ask or the questions I want to answer. But, and then obviously having a good uh, incident response program, I think is so important. I typically don't recommend our enterprise clients. I think they probably, you know, for especially with the threat intelligence side and IR side, outsource it, you know, go to a provider like, like a Red Canary or, you know, another, another company. But I think that's so important to, to have, to keep your house in order. And you, you obviously don't want to, you don't want to keep that in-house because it's something that's all, all the time changing. I mean, we're seeing, I think, what about 30% of Log4j vulnerabilities have been fixed. And there was so much hyperventilating and, and all that around. So, you know, let, let somebody else help you out with that. Let, you know, get you through there so you don't have to. And you can focus on being a better better security organization. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to agree with uh, what Chris is saying there is uh, let somebody else deal with it. And that's that's not me being like, oh, I'm I'm working for a vendor. Let No, this is me coming from experience. I, I worked at other small, small, you know, right. Depends on how you look at. But in terms of security staff, they were small teams, small organizations in that way. And mm. the things that I wanted to do and the things that we could do versus being able to just pay somebody to do it. Yeah, I, I really wish I could have just paid somebody to do it. Especially on the investigations and forensic side. Most organizations are ill-equipped for that. It's interesting. I think a lot of organizations that don't have like a mature security operations team, it's very, very fluid environments. There's so much focus around attribution when that's like the last thing <laughs> that you want to focus on. <laughs> Honestly, and yeah, it's, the it's attribution hard. does not matter most of the yeah, time. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's 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 hilarious because if you know they they read, I don't know, Clancy novels or you know, the Hollywood movies, and that's like the first thing that people gear towards, and it's like, no, that's not going to help you in in your environment. Like just, I don't I don't care what operator coded this. I don't care right. what version of right, like none right. of that matters. Are we getting knocked over? And yep. Are sensitive data going out the front door? That's what I care about. Absolutely. Well, it's been a pleasure talking with you, Aaron. Thank you so much for your time today. And I think that kind of wraps up our show for this week. Stay tuned next week when we'll be covering more interesting threats for the following week after the new year and predictions. Thanks, Darian. It's been a thanks, joy. Everybody. Aaron, wonderful. Yep. Take care, Chris. All right. Great thanks, everybody. Thanks. Thank you for tuning into The Threat Show. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to us on YouTube. 
give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, and interact with us on Twitter at The Threat Show. Also, be sure to subscribe to Fletch's interactive newsletter and Trending Threats app to go deeper into the stories we discuss. Be sure to stay tuned to stay ahead of threats. 